1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates' national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Mom with a
2: small head, I
1: hope you had a nice holiday. There she is. Our good friend Eleanor. <laughs> That's great. There, there. He's got the small head. We have revised the video to give him the small head. Graham, at my request, and apparently it took forty takes because it's not easy to work with a five-year-old. <laughs> but they finally Eleanor nailed it, and uh, there, there. You're welcomed back officially by Eleanor. It's man official. With the small head. Wow, she hopes you had a nice holiday.
3: Oh, I did, Eleanor. Thank you so much. What a cute little girl. That was like really one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me on this show, right there. That's like a a privilege, really. Uh, great age too, man. I miss my kids being that age, but appreciate the love for you know. Even though I got a small
1: head, thank you so much, Eleanor. And for those of you who wonder what in the hell we're talking about, and <laughs> yeah, that would be a reasonable position at this point. We had an email last week from Eleanor's father, Graham. They are fans of the show in England, and. Eleanor sees Chris and calls him the man with the small head because she is under the grossly mistaken impression (laughs) based upon the realities of TV that he has a small head. He doesn't, but she's concerned about his small head and she wants to know why he has a small head and if there's a link between his small head and his need to take so many off. days off <laughs> right is it a direct result <laughs> it's a direct of having result a small head <laughs> yes. so i'm stressed out uh, my small brain
3: can't take it yes definitely
1: <laughs> so thank you graham hello eleanor that was great it was, it was awesome. awesome i i cracked up when it came it was just perfect it's just perfect well done and uh, off we go chris watched the film using all of the powers of his small head <laughs> yes. to analyze what happened between the cardinals and the rams and i still don't get this Rams beat the Cardinals eight straight times with Jared Goff primarily as their quarterback. In comes Matthew Stafford. And of course, the Cardinals dismantle the team that had been number one last week in the all-important PFT power rank.
3: Yeah, well, again, hey, Arizona's talented like we've talked about every week. There's just playmakers on both sides of the ball that can change the football game. You know, so there, there is that aspect. Kyler Murray certainly had his best performance I've ever seen him have against the Los Angeles Rams. Rams, like, weren't there at their best containing him within the pocket. I think that's one thing that jumped out. You know, he did get outside the pocket, especially early on in the game when it was still in the, in balance, in, in the balance. And he made plays there that we had not seen the Rams kind of let – let him do to this point. So that was huge. Third downs, Mike, you know I've been talking about this all year with Kyler Murray. They stayed in third and manageable all game long. Here a third and six, just a subtle move to the right. And, again, they're one of those teams like we talk about in football where there's just too many damn good players to think you're going to match up against everybody, you know, one-on-one across the board. And he, I thought he, as in Kyler Murray, I thought threw the ball as well as I've ever seen him throw it. He was on his game, not only with decision making, but Mike like one of my words of the weekend was patience and especially with the the Cardinals. Like here's the difference I think between their team and years past. At least on the offensive side of the ball. Their offensive line's real this year. They can protect for real and they can run the ball with power. You know, they can literally move people out of the way. So they have a great balance there, and let alone, even though they got some power up front, it's an athletic group. So now when they want to throw screens out to the edge to the wide receivers or the running backs, they can get out there and block in space. And I think that's, to me, going to be one of the keys to the year for the Cardinals as they go forward. Not necessarily how many yards they run, but rushing attempts. Uh, That is going to be huge because you really get compromised if you have to start worrying about their run game think about it this way you know you, they're going to spread you out you want to get out there to cover these receivers and and okay let's stop that but all of a sudden you got to worry about a run game and now you got to start putting people in the box that favors matchups on the outside in the pass game it favors the matchups in the screen game out there you know it, it it can make it harder as far as just containing kyler murray in a lot of aspects that way as well so that's where they were special and once they got a lead they were really patient and running the ball, short passes. Look at some of their drives, Mike. I don't know if you've seen it really, but eleven plays, seventy-five yards. You know, uh, seventeen plays, seventy yards. Ten plays, thirty-eight yards. Nine plays, sixty-four yards. Twelve plays, ninety-four yards. That shows execution and the ability to kind of just be like, hey, we're not going to hold the ball. We're not going to let Aaron Donald strip sack, fumble. Or throw the ball down into a crowd, and Jalen Ramsey's going to intercept it. And I think that's what jumped out to me more than anything about the Cardinals, especially on the offensive side of the ball, Mike.
1: Well, and I'm counting up 40 rushing attempts here and only six from Kyler Murray. There you go. Chase Edmonds had 12, and James Conner had 18. He only gained 50 yards, but he had a couple of touchdowns. So it it is that patience that you're talking about, not just from Kyler Murray's standpoint, but from the offensive standpoint. It can't be every play, let Kyler Murray go do something, magical. It can't be. It's going to catch up to you at some point if you try to do it that way.
3: Yeah, no, exactly right. It, uh, you, you got to give defenses more to think about. And I think that's the little difference of the Arizona team this year. It's not like The most complicated formula in the world, but because they got talent and if you stay a little patient with the run game and Chase Edmonds to me is like a budding superstar at the running back position, you know, if they can do that, yeah, then you got to think twice like, damn, okay, we got to stop the run, but are we really going to leave Hopkins and Kirk and Ronald Moore and AJ Green one on one? You know, and then there's a splash of two tight end sets because of their ability to run the ball. They'll bring them in, and now you go. Well, we got to we got to defend the run. We do, and that allows them to run a play action pass and gash you for a big a big gain that way. So you know that was really impressive for them on that side of the ball. I just think the patience, the execution. They never let the Rams make the game frenzied. And on the other side of the ball, the Cardinals D you know made some plays and and took the rams out of their their attack altogether you know as the game went along
1: well what did you see there cuz i remember looking up and seeing deshaun jackson get behind the defense that's, again yes. and this time it got picked off by byron murphy
3: that's where it starts right there three nothing got the ball here right around midfield you know this this is we've seen stafford yeah he had a long touchdown last week but he's missed deshaun jackson more than he hit him that that's grossly underthrown that it's 15 yards underthrown he had the guy beat by. This doesn't even do it justice. He had him beat by three or four strides. He's been slowing down for the last six or seven steps there. By the time Byron Murphy so, uh, got that interception. But I think between that, you know, they have the fumble by Sony Michelle that of course leads to a short field touchdown by the Arizona football team. The Rams' offense was just a little off, and then they got a little impatient with throwing the ball when they got down. They kind of lost their run game. But like Mike. They had, you know, Stafford missed a a, a a third down throw to Cooper Cup where it's going to be a touchdown. He kind of stumbles coming out of the break and I think ended up taking a different angle, and then they missed the field goal. And Stafford was off his game just a little bit, just enough in a game like this where he could not be. And uh, as we've talked about, like the Cardinals on the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball has got a lot of difference makers. And once they get you into – Oh, you have to pass the ball. This is where I love Arizona. Vance Joseph on the defense, he'll, they do some crazy, awesome, creative stuff. And they they can be very tough to move the ball once they got you in that corner of going, uh, oh, you got to throw the ball three out of four times here. And that's where they become like a, a real pain in the butt to deal with on that side.
1: Back to Stafford and Jackson. Yeah. Because I, I, I wonder if – it's just as simple as Stafford has never had a guy that fast, sure. and he's still adjusting to the fact that, however much you would put on that pass for anyone else, you still have to put more on it for De- for Deshaun Jackson. You have to throw it as high and as far as you can for a guy like Deshaun
3: Jackson. You know, I Gruden used to give me a lot of credit and be like, "Man, you know, you're just unbelievable deep ball thrower." To Joey Galloway, right? I mean, I, I wasn't good at much, but I could launch the ball and. I mean, my goal with Joey was drop back fast and throw that damn thing as far as I could, because he'll go run it down when it sits in the air. And you really have to have that type of confidence. If I just throw it out there and high, he'll go see it, and he'll just put on go go gadget afterburners, and he'll fly and go get the ball. And that, that is – it's rare. There's not a whole lot of guys like that in football. We saw Jameis Winston have issues hitting Deshaun Jackson a few years ago. Remember that? Same type of thing, especially Deshaun Jackson. He's deceptive speed. It doesn't look like he's flying. He's kind of a long strider. Uh, hey, Baker Mayfield, Nodell Beckham Jr., it's the same thing. He can't hit the damn guy. Odell's left like there's 300 yards of receiving left on the field the last two weeks, but Baker can't hit him. I don't know what it is. And sometimes those fast guys, it, it can have that effect on a quarterback and it can take a little while to, to get used to how you throw the football to them.
1: I really do think there is a fundamental difference though, between target practice and just launch a hundred percent with a guy like that. You just launch it. Like uh, Russell Wilson explained it to me after week one, when they beat the Colts, that he loves throwing the deep ball, he loves how everything gets quiet and it's silent, and he trusts that Tyler Lockett is going to play center fielder. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what it is. The, the best receivers, the fast receivers, what allows them to be effective isn't just the speed that gets them open, they can track the ball as yes. soon as it's in the air, and it's like playing outfield. As soon as the ball's off the bat, you have an innate sense of where it's going to be and where you need to be. As soon as the ball is thrown, the receiver has that inherent Barometer, yes. that tells him, right. Here's where it's going. Here's where I need to be to go get it. Wherever it is, wherever it fires, yeah. he knows that's where he's got to go get it. So it's not like the timing route and put the ball right 100%. there, and the receiver's going to hit it right in his hand. No, this is it's different. It's a launch, and uh, there is a difference. Some You're of these- right. Some of of these guys need to think of it that way. You're not trying to hit a target. No. You're just trying to put it out there. No,
3: you're trying to put it in a broad area, and I think you explained it exactly right. Yeah, this is different than an out route or a 20-yard comeback or a 20-yard in-cut where, yeah, you are getting used to the timing and the rhythm of a guy coming out of a break and his body language. This is like, hey, just let me know the angle you're on, and I'm going to throw it generally out here in this area your receiver and the, the thing is where where we talk about like and I know we had this conversation a little last year great deep ball throwers throw the ball high in the air because it gives you more room for error and of course like you're talking about it gives the receiver the ability to adjust the ball and dbs wait for it why they don't play receiver is cuz they're not good at adjusting to the ball more times than not they usually when they start to look up they choke to death oh my gosh and they just grab a defender or do it or a receiver or whatever and uh, hopefully Stafford will get that. He does have some Calvin Johnson history, right, to where I think it's got to be approached like that. Yeah, he's not big like Calvin, but just throw it 65 yards, throw it as high as you can, and Deshaun Jackson will go get it.
1: The other question, too, uh, whether or not, stafford is relying too excessively on cooper cup yeah there's a question of whether robert woods is getting frustrated sean mcveigh addressed that yesterday he said he's going to work to get him the ball more there was a late touchdown scored by robert woods and he kind of threw the ball away and mcveigh explained that was more about frustration about the circumstance of the game but woods is getting about half the targets right now of cup and uh, for a guy who's got a bloated cap number and a big salary and I think is in jeopardy next year as the Rams deal with a cap crunch, he, he's he got to be thinking, hey, if I'm not getting opportunities to show what I can do, I may be on the endangered species list. Yeah,
3: well, maybe. I, I do think like your point's real in that it's a little too much. Every big situation is, it seems like it's draw the play up for Cooper Cup right now to where you can kind of pin that tail on the donkey as far as the Rams offense. A little bit like we saw earlier in the in the show when we showed Hunter Renfro with the Chargers. I mean, it's third and Renfro. Do you think the Chargers don't know it? Well, it's the same thing with the Rams a little bit right now. You know, anytime it's like third and five or six, it's, hey, let's get Cooper Cup on a stack release and he'll read the coverage and go in or out or straight, whatever we kind of tell him to do or dictate on the week. And, yeah, defenses I are sure are, are starting to see that. And then the Cardinals definitely did you know, some brackets
1: and were aware of where he was in those situations, no doubt about it. Let's take a quick break. Uh, when we return, I wish the Broncos and the Ravens were in the same division so they would definitely be playing again this year. There's a new <laughs> coaching rivalry between Vic Fangio and John Harbaugh. We'll get you up to speed on it right after this. said the last play from scrimmage in the broncos ravens game on sunday the ravens had a streak of 42 straight games with 100 or more rushing yards they wanted to get to 43 because it matched the Steelers' all-time streak from 77 or 74 to 77 and uh vic fangio not happy a lot of bleeping if we had the audio a lot of bleeping so here's uh the coach is talking about the situation yesterday
2: You know, that's one of those things that's meaningful, you know, and uh, it's it's one of those things that's I, I think as a head coach, you got to be mindful of your team and your players and your coaches and what it means to them. It's, it's a very, very tough record to accomplish, and it's a long-term record. So um, I'm not going to say it's more important than, it, than winning the game for sure, and it's certainly not, but as a head coach, I think you do that for your players and you do that for your coaches and it's something that they'll have for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I thought it was kind of bullshit, but I expected it from them, you know, I've 37 years in pro ball, I've never seen anything like that. So, but it was to be expected and we expected it. Why did you expect it from them? Because I just know how they operate. You know, they, that's just their, uh, you know, mode of operation there. Player safety is secondary. I mean, I thought we were on good terms. We had a nice chat before the game. Uh, Known each other for a long time, but I promise you, I'm not going to give that insult one second thought. It's, uh, what's meaningful? What's meaningful to us might not be meaningful to them. Their concerns are definitely not our concerns, and uh, you know, we didn't expect to get the ball back, you know. But I'd already decided we decided that if we got the ball back, we were going to try to get the yards, and we got it back with three seconds left. So you're throwing the ball in the end zone with 10 seconds left. I don't know that there's a 16-point touchdown that's going to be possible right there. So you know that didn't have anything to do with winning the game. So like I said, what's meaningful to us might not be meaningful to them, and we're not going to concern ourselves with that.
1: Look, I think this falls in the realm of uh, where reasonable minds may differ. I think the consecutive number of games with 100 or more rushing yards, a a record I wasn't even aware of. I didn't even know they kept track of it until this all happened who cares? This is not DiMaggio's hitting streak. (laughs) This is not something you're getting a trophy for. You can put the trophy right next to your consecutive preseason winning streak. It's meaningless to me. And if there was a way to reliably pull Ravens fans and truthfully pull Ravens players and staff, I think most people would not care about this record and I think the fact that Pittsburgh held it is one of the reasons why Harbaugh cares about it as much as he does
3: yeah maybe I I don't disagree but I I, I would agree with you like I bet you the players don't really care or the fans it is totally a coach's thing to put on your resume kind of speaks like a banner statement about your football team right like look we're bigger and tougher we run a hundred we run for a hundred yards every week that's what we do it's almost three years in a row. We run for a hundred yards every week. So uh, again, I-, I will like semi agree with John Harbaugh and the fact that yeah, what's meaningful to them is not meaningful to the other team. And it's not his job. It's not his job to coach the Broncos or worry about their football team or their feelings either. He felt like this was something that was important to him or Greg Roman or whatever. And you know that this is the way they Ravens are. They're the bad bullies of the NFL. They don't give a damn. They don't care. Uh, so it's risky. Yeah, a player gets hurt, your ass definitely is going to take a lot Lamar, of crap. Lamar Jackson right. tears an
1: ACL on that play. They're definitely going to exactly. care.
3: Exactly. Somebody else gets hurt, you're going to hear a lot about it. But you know, I also think we've seen you know other things like this throughout history of football, where oh, this receiver has a consecutive you know reception streak, and a team throws him the ball with 45 seconds left, even though the game's over, just to keep the streak alive. This is not that unusual. Uh, So, uh, again, I understand Fangio being pissed off, but I can see John Harbaugh's side here, too. It it, it doesn't, like, necessarily really, really bother me.
1: But to boil it down to three seconds left, you're up 16. You just got an interception in the end zone. Yeah. And you don't take a knee. Uh, The Elias Sports Bureau tried to find any situation where, with five or fewer seconds, a team with a 10-point or more lead didn't just, you know, take a knee. Right. It's uh, it it. it, it I, I just I agree with the statement. What's meaningful to us isn't meaningful to them. The question is, how meaningful is it to anyone other than John Harbaugh? How meaningful is it really to anyone? And I I said this yesterday. What caused him to do it is part of what makes him great because he's exactly. so ultra competitive exactly. he cares about stuff that other people don't care about and because you're wired that way it positions you to succeed in the things that do matter
3: yeah right I agree there Vic Fangio worked with his brother he knows how the hardballs operate you know they take no prisoners they don't care you know Jim's a jerk John's a pretty good guy so you know but still when it comes to football and competing hey that he doesn't care. He, there's you know no prisoners attitude that's the way they are uh I do respect that about them. I do. Yeah, it's tremendous risk, certainly. And It is a little bit I know amateurish to a degree. But I don't think the Ravens care and, and and I do I do hope somebody asks the players a little bit about it. You know, when Lamar
1: Jackson already said he doesn't care. He, didn't he already care. said he doesn't okay, care. Okay, I didn't even know he didn't that. Care.
3: So that 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 yeah. takes away a little bit of the the power Harbaugh has in this situation, the fact that, you know, players saying they don't care.
1: Yeah, I I, I just I get it, I understand it, but I don't agree with it. And it's a record to me that is as meaningless as any record can be, short of the all-time winning streak in preseason games. By definition, those games are meaningless, so any record in the preseason is also meaningless. But I the only one thing that matters is winning the Super Bowl. And if there's some broader strategy that this some this galvanizes your t- I, I I don't... I think it's just all of it. It's all of it. Like you said, Mike, it's the preseason. It's,
3: oh, I'll ask my players to go for it on fourth and two. I'll do this. It's just, hey, we don't we don't back down to anybody. It's kind of the mantra of the Ravens. That's what they are. They just, they, they don't care. They're going to be the big, bad bullies in the NFL, and they kind of enjoy it.
1: Except in week 17 of the 2019 season when they rested their starters, giving them three weeks between meaningful games and causing them to be flat in the playoffs against the Titans. They still got their 100 yards that day, though.
3: Yes, they did. Gus Edwards had a big day. Yeah, I know. Uh, Listen, I I hear you. I know what you're saying. There's some weird logic there, but obviously they felt important, or
1: it was somewhat important. Let's take a break. Goats in a bad way coming out of week four when PFT Live continues right after.
2: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Want to make Mom's Day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal
1: Oh, the 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 flop that would make any European soccer player proud. Although it was a little a little bit of a shove there. It was enough. I, I don't. He acknowledges it was a little bit of a flop, but it was enough. It wasn't just like the brush and the guy falls down. But Dawson knocks. Well done. All right, goats in a bad way coming out of week four. Chris, you're up. I'm going to go with the Saints defense right off the bat. I mean, come on, Saints
3: defense supposed to be like the heart and soul of that football team. They had a 21-10 in the fourth quarter. The Giants offense has been inconsistent, you know, hasn't been able to pass protect all that well, right? Has all those like narratives around it. Well, they pass protected really well and Danny Dimes just diced them up, you know, all the way through the fourth quarter with big plays into the overtime. I think that was got, it's got to be the shocker, you know, of the weekend to me as far as I thought the Giants could keep it close but i didn't think that they would win a game especially in that fashion down 21 to 10 on the road in the superdome that i think the the saints d i got to give them all you know the goat award for this one which i still have a problem with our draft name the goat in a bad way like what we got to think of a new one
1: well because goat used to be inherently bad but then at some point goat became good because everybody called it goat Greatest of all time. So you're overruled. You're overruled. Uh, Urban Meyer, for all reasons discussed earlier in the program, plus not kicking the field goal at the end of the first half and going up three scores. Ooh. Always go up three scores. Three scores. Could have been 17 nothing. A much different vibe in the second half for the Bengals if they're down 17 instead of 14. That's my GOAT number one. Yeah, down two. That's a good one. That
3: really is. I mean, yeah, it's... Oof. It's a tough one. You're at the one yard line like that, but yeah, I'm, I'm still old school in the fact that I favor traditional tactics in a lot of ways, as far as that's concerned. Like you said, go up three scores, make that team go down the field and two touchdowns and a field goal to beat you. It adds. It's psychologically. A diff- it's psychologically. a psychological difference. Exactly right. There's a psychological difference to the offense when they go. We got to do it three times as compared to just two. There is something to that. We saw it a little last night with the Raiders. Hey, they've done two scores the whole year. Three scores, different ball game. Um. All right. I think you know I'm gonna go. There's not a lot of like goats that jump out to me this week in a bad way. Okay. Um. So. I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield here. All right, Baker Mayfield for two weeks in a row has not played good football. You know, just as I was starting to go, damn, he's the man, and I don't know how anybody could question him. The game against the Bears wasn't good last week. It wasn't. I mean, he missed throws, reads everything. It was it was all over the place. And again, I haven't watched the film of the uh, the uh, Minnesota game. But it was all, it looked all over the place to me as well. I know I saw a number of missed throws, a number of wobbly balls, dicey decisions. Fifteen for thirty-three. You know, and I'm not a stat guy. I don't. I don't care about all that. It's the way it looked, and I think that's concerning. Mike, he's gotten into. I gotta throw it as hard as I can. Let me let my arm whip and my head fly around every throw. And I just want to go. Why? Why you? You got so much arm. What are you worried about? The first three week, two weeks of the year, you were throwing dimes everywhere. And now it's like, i got to throw it 108 miles per hour. 104 is not
1: good. And it's cost him. And he has not played well the last two weeks. Next one for me, and Chris, you weren't here yesterday when we talked about the Patriots-Bucks game. Bill Belichick. I still, and the more I think about it, and I've slept on it twice now, You don't kick that 56-yard field goal at the end of the game. Even if it's good, you've given Tom Brady enough time to do what Aaron Rodgers did to the 49ers a week earlier. They were going to lose that game one way or the other when they lined up to kick that field goal. They're either going to make it and Brady's going to go down and the Bucs are going to make another one or you're going to miss it. It's 56 yards, not 36, not 26, not even 46. 56 in the rain to give Tom Brady a chance to drive down the field and win the game. I, I think that no matter how many rings, no matter how many times you got to change the name on the back of your boat, eight rings, nine rings, 10 rings. You're not above criticism. That was a huge mistake. And uh, they should have gone for it on fourth and three. If they'd converted, they very well may have won the game. Well, and uh, that, and
3: the other one that I, I still just, the fact that they didn't have the right personnel and had to waste that one time out there, you know, what was that early fourth quarter, right? That, that, that was an odd one too, you know, altogether. So, uh, I hear you there. All right. I don't know where I want to go here. I got a few different things. I, I could go here. There's a part of me that, you know, wants to do Davis Mills cause it's low hanging fruit. All right. But I'm what about
1: go- David Cully. He came out and said he didn't have the team ready. You got extra I mean, days. I'm gonna, yeah,
3: I know. Listen, I'm not even going to go there because I didn't expect them to beat the Bills. And like you said, the Bills might be the best team in football. I do think it like proves that Davis Mills is not a starting quarterback in the NFL, but we'll talk about that another day. Um, I'm going to go to Chase Young. Yeah, I am. I know they won. I'm picking two guys that won. But where's the pass rush for the Washington football team? Where is Chase Young? You know? Well, if you graze the quarterback, you get flagged. Well, I—I I, that was a bullcrap call. You're right <laughs> oh, about boy, that. I that was one of those. The other word. That was a horrible <laughs> freaking call. There's one where you're going, what? I mean, uh, we, we need to show that later in the week. That might be my grievance for tomorrow. But, again, it's a front four that's underwhelming for Washington at this point. And Chase Young, has he's not looked like the number two pick of the draft from two years ago. I'm sorry. He hasn't. So uh, there needs to be more there from him on the edge, and and you know again he's a physical specimen, but I'm not sure he's the most gifted pass rusher in the world. He's a little bit stiff. It's always just let me run into the guy and see if I can push him back, and uh, I worry about him a little that way. So I'm I'm gonna pick him, even though it's really like that whole Washington D line that needs to step their game up.
1: I'm thinking about Randy Bullock, but I'm going to go with the Vikings offensive line because as that game went on, they just got overpowered. And it got to the point where they could have played another 60 minutes and the Vikings wouldn't have scored any more points. It, it just it felt fruitless. And I know at the end of the game, they got in position. We talked about... Adam Thielen being held in the end zone—that was the only thing. That was the that was the aberration. It was suffocation of the Minnesota offense after the opening drive of the game when the Vikings went right down the field and scored. And I know it's Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney and some great defensive players, but you know you're going to have great defensive players, and they neutralized Miles Garrett for a lot of the game. But uh, I, to, 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 to only score seven points at home inexcusable and I blame that on the offensive line yeah yeah I, I hear you I mean
3: it, that Cleveland D, D's got it rolling right now but I certainly wasn't expecting that either we've seen Minnesota kind of move the ball on everybody for the most part over the last year and a half I mean everybody but I think it was a little bit too of one of those like where the coaching staffs had so much knowledge of each other maybe that played a big factor into it but yeah not not yeah, good but, enough by their I, offense
1: I, and, and you know as we're as we're now smitten with the facial expressions of Steve Belichick and that's going to create a platform for him that propels him to be a head coach let's start paying attention to Joe Woods Joe Woods the Browns defensive coordinator is doing some damn good things with that defense no so as we start scribbling the names yeah l- let's start putting some cameras on Joe Woods because I think he should be on the list for I'm consideration with you. big as rebound well. after that week one poor performance against the Chiefs yes. they were kicking butt now quick break we'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after this
2: no I'm not an engineer I have no idea I mean I have never heard that I thought it was a, a, a joke but you know it affected both teams and certainly you know the locker room here is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen I mean you can't see anybody it's like a maze so um, you know whoever, whoever contorted this visiting locker room I'd like to meet this guy and see what his um, what his idea was how
3: did, delay, how did that delay
2: adversity and uh, it, I, it didn't it didn't have anything to do with it
1: his idea was to piss you off, John. That's 100%. the idea. You're the visiting coach. Right? We've heard all the stories over the year how like I think in Nebraska they, they painted pink, the visiting maybe? locker room pink. Yeah. yeah. Because there psychologically that makes you not as inclined to go out and inflict violence on other people. Yes, that's one of the advantages of being the home team. I, I think, the Chargers no. gotta have something. They don't have the fans. They gotta have something.
3: Seriously. No. And you know that that there is some yeah, I think that is the reason. Or they can divide the locker room up in case there's something going there. But, yeah, they're not trying to make it accommodating for the visiting team so they feel great and could go out there and kick some butt. That's for sure.
1: We do agree with the concern about how in the world a domed crazy stadium needs a weather delay. See you tomorrow. See ya.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up?